Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... invited people into experience the love of God and saying to them, listen, you don't need that stuff. Put off what you're doing now, put on the love of God, and watch how God changes the way you think. Friends, that is the message we need to be taking to people, that Christianity is not about being a certain thing in a certain mold. God created you in a certain way, and that is wonderful, and that is awesome. We want to invite people into being what they fully are to be in Jesus Christ. Today, Pastor Jim points out that it's so important to understand that the things of God are from God. He says, as Christians, we don't have to manufacture anything on our own. Instead, you must give yourself to the Word of God, to prayer, to obedience, and to love, all of which can be used to make His things real in your life. Friend, you'll never arrive in your growth of godliness till you arrive in the presence of God. Remember, living out the gospel is a progression of patiently following Christ. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Philippians chapter 1 verse 9 as we join Pastor Jim for part two of his message entitled, Joyful Prayer. We'll have more information about the church and how you can get a copy of today's message, but for now, here's Pastor Jim. So the apostle says he prays for your love, that it abounds more and more. What does that tell us? That he already knows they're loving people, but what does he want? He wants them to be not decreasing in love, not maintaining love, but to be increasing in love. You know, like when you go to a park and there's a fountain and up at the top it it empties into this little thing and then it goes into another bigger thing, a bigger fountain like that. He wants our love to be overflowing like that, that we are just overflowing with his love for a lost and hurting world. And it is love, friends, that marks out the Christian. That is what makes us different. It is love that marks out a church from just some sort of a a general kind of a country club kind of thing. But it's not love just to God, and it's not love just to each other, but it's also love to people that we don't know. That's divine love, right? When we are loving the way God would have us to love, it's a supernatural love. If you will, this is what we might call an uncomfortable love, a sacrificial love, not a clicky love, but it's inviting the world into experiencing the love of God. So turn with me, keep your finger in Philippians, and turn with me to John 13, as Jesus really, before, his, before going to the cross, really solidified this with the apostles. This is the night before the cross, and he says this. He's talking to the apostles, little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, those are the religious leaders, where I am going, that would be back with my heavenly Father to heaven, you cannot come. So now I say to you, look at this, verse 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Now, if you know anything about the Bible and the the New Testament and the Gospels, what were the apostles always doing? Fighting. (laughs) Dumb things 
wondering who was the greatest. And he says, I want you to love one another. And then you want, to prove to you this love is supernatural, look what he says, as I have loved you. So God calls us to love one another as Jesus has loved us. God help us, right? Not easy. He says that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples. And I think that even includes you yourself. That as you start to love more people, you realize that the Spirit of God is at work in your life. He says, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Very important term in the Bible, one another. There's a lot of one another's in the Bible. Commands that we are to do for one another. But this is how Jesus says people will know. By how often you go to church? No. By how big your Bible is? No. By all the Bible verses that you seem to have you know, packed into your head? No. By you know, how rich you are, what kind of car you drive? No. By the fact that you never get sick? No. How will people know? By the love we have for one another. So when people would walk into the door of our church, God says, if you love one another, people will see that. If you love the stranger, if you love someone you don't know, God will see that and people will know. So how can you obey this Jesus command to love one another without belonging to a church? You can't. You just can't. Now, I would maintain a healthy, well-balanced church, not sort of a, a country club church, which is the vast majority of churches now in America. Probably, you know, we have this thing right now, we probably have 25% of the country says they're nothing. 25% would be kind of what we might call serious, full-on believers. And you have the mushy middle, which is the 50%, and they're sort of going through the motions. And they will either, at the end, they will either end up in the place of not believing, or they will end up, God will change them, they will give themselves to the things of God, and they will end up becoming more serious believers. So what happens when you turn to God, put your trust in Jesus, God adopts you as one of his children, he becomes your heavenly father, but like a good dad, he wants you to grow, he wants you to mature, he wants you to love your brothers and sisters. Those of you who are parents, you know this, there's not much worse than when your kids fight. It's just absolutely awful. It's just grating. It's just grating. And so God wants his children to love one another. But notice what he says here back in Philippians in verse 9. He says that this love must grow in knowledge. In knowledge. In other words, it has to be deeply rooted in God. And the only way to be deeply rooted in God is to be deeply rooted in the word of God. You cannot love someone more unless you get to know them more, correct? With God, absence makes the heart grow fonder, doesn't work. And so, so if we want to love God more, we have to know him more, and that only comes through meeting God in the pages of the Bible, because if we don't, we end up with what I like to refer to as, well, I think, theology. Do you ever talk to someone about God, and they go, well, I think God is this, and well, I think God is that. I know that this is America, and we're all allowed to have our opinions on certain things, but that's not the way heaven operates. God says, this is what I am. This is who I am. You can either choose to believe and trust in me, and I will bring you home, or you can choose to reject me, and since you don't want to come home, I won't force you. I will not bring you home. 
If without the word of God, we will end up with a superficial love of God at best. And you probably know people like this who say they love God, but really lack the ability to make good, godly decisions. We end up self-centered. We end up with a consumer type of Christian mentality instead of a deep love of God. But studying the word of God, which is why we do this every single Sunday, week after week after week, cultivates love of God, cultivates Christian love, cultivates the way of love. You say, well, how does that happen? Because God in the pages of the Bible shows us his love through the self-sacrificing love of his son and that motivates us to love him. Now, if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, what I'm about to say might seem very, very strange to you. I was talking to someone trying to share just basically some things about faith and God. And the person said to me, well, I grew up in a church, very similar to the church that I grew up in, many of you grew up in, and I always felt everything was about making me feel guilty. And I said, yep, I understand that. And they said, you don't seem too happy about that. And I said, well, guilt is not really a great motivator. It just makes people give up or tend to feel defeated in general. And they said, well, if you're a Bible guy, I had described myself as a self-professed Bible geek. And he said, you said you're a Bible geek. Don't you acknowledge that there is a lot of uh, sin in the Bible? There's a lot of things that we are guilty of in the Bible. I said, 100% yes. And so they said, well, how do you reconcile that then with the love of God? And I said, let me tell you, this is how it works. For some reason, God has chosen the best way or realizes the best way with human beings is to show me my guilt, but then not to stop there, not in a condemning way, in more of a conversational type of way, is to show me my guilt and then show me his son dying on the cross in my place for my sins, taking my guilt and my shame away. And then, I don't know how this happens, but I love him more. Like, I want to live for him more because I see his sacrificial love for me. It is when I see my ungodliness It is when I see how I'm falling short and I see what he does for me anyway that attracts me to him, that makes me want to love him more and live for him more and almost without even so much as deep concentration, when I focus on that, things begin to change. My attitude begins to change. And somehow the power of God is operative in my life. So what you have received is really only the bad news. What you have received is only half of the story. And as a church, knowing God's ways will teach us how our Heavenly Father loves the family of God and how we are to love the family of God. We are learning how God wants us to live. It's not easy. It's impossible without God's help. In fact, without God's help, you wouldn't even care. So if you're here today and you hear some guilt and you, you hear something that makes you feel guilty and you think, well, gosh, I must, be a, I must be a mess. Well, you probably are a mess. We're all a mess. It's okay. It's okay. But it's God drawing you in, trying to show you how he is the solution. And so this will produce a real heavenly type of love in a church, in the people of God, a selfless love, a humble love, a powerful love. That's why sometimes some of you, you have friends and you say, oh, my friend's a mess. I go, I can't wait to meet them. You're like, you want messy people in your church? I'm like, there's no other kind. 
There's no other kind. I love this about Jesus. Jesus is going out and he's meeting with people and he's telling them, hey, you're sinners. You're not doing what God wants. And the religious people snub their nose at him. But all the drunkards, all the potheads, all the, all, I don't know if they had potheads, all the drunkards, right? right? All the prostitutes, all the big sinners are like, hey, come to a party at our house. They're not trying to change Jesus, but Jesus wasn't weird. Jesus wasn't self-righteous, and he's the only one who could have been. What he was, was he invited people into experience the love of God and saying to them, listen, you don't need that stuff. Put off what you're doing now, put on the love of God, and watch how God changes the way you think. Friends, that is the message we need to be taking to people, that Christianity is not about being a certain thing in a certain mold. God created you in a certain way, and that is wonderful, and that is awesome. We want to invite people into being what they fully are to be in Jesus Christ. What does a church need to make this happen? Two things. You say love, but it's also in verse 1. Bond servants. People who are willing servants of God. People who love him so much. People who you can depend on people who are teachable, people who are energized by the power and the work of the Holy Spirit in their life, they are compelled by the love of God. And here, every Christian needs to check our hearts. Is my love, is my service to the people of God, is it growing? Or is it shrinking? Am I maintaining? Or is God filling me and I'm overflowing with it. Now, here's the thing. Don't leave here guilty. Tell God right now what it is. What is it? And then pray that God would help you and then be willing to love more. What does that mean practically? You take the first step towards someone else. You take that first step. Don't wait for them to do it. And stop with the silliness. Well, the church needs to be. Remember we said this is written to all the people in Philippi. The church is who? It's us. We, we all need to do it. But here he says here, he says we're growing in love, but it's based in knowledge, knowledge of God. But here he also says that you need discernment or you need insight because love and knowledge without insight can be very harmful, isn't it? I mean, you can become an over-eager enabler of people. You're helping people. You say, oh, I love them. And you know, I I know God wants us to help. We've been saying in our study in the Proverbs that God is all for helping the poor, but not the lazy. He loves people who who are poor, hardworking poor, people who can't work, people who don't have work but are willing to work, but the lazy, the lazy. He says, no, we want to help those people not to be lazy. If we have love and knowledge without insight, without discernment, we can drain the resources of the church. We can be putting people, our greatest resource, into other things that is taking them away. We can put money, another difficult resource to come by these days, right? Most of us are like, there's just too much month at the end of the money, right? That's the way we feel at the end of the, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. I'm out of money and it's only the 23rd, right? That's the way a lot of us feel. We're wasting resources, But a loving Christian, growing in the word of God, given divine insight from the Holy Spirit, is a powerful force in the kingdom of God. 
is a powerful person in God's kingdom, is a powerful person in any church. Such a man or woman gives their life to the Lord Jesus Christ and then learns from the practical application of the word of God how to live in everyday affairs. That's what wisdom is. That's what wisdom is. Our world is always changing, right? Have you noticed how fast things go? But the word of God moves with the world, right? Where really the world is just tagging along with the word of God. You don't need to go, oh, that's not in the Bible. You search. And it is amazing how much stuff is in there. Often I hear from you guys all the time, like, I couldn't tell whether you were talking about 2,000 years ago in Philippi or today. And I go, yes, because the word of God moves interchangeably, goes back and forth very, very easily. Now we have to understand how the Philippians would have perceived and understood what's being written here, but we can bring it into our day and age because discernment takes the Bible from the mind and the heart to our character, to our integrity, to our right actions, and the result is we will start to grow in love. Well, that's number one. I have to hurry on number two and three. Number two is growth in choices. Growth in choices. How many of you feel overwhelmed by all the choices you have? All right, here we go. We ready? Lord's going to help us with this one. That you may approve, verse 10, or discern, the idea is put to test. To put the test in, they would be using it in terms of coins. We would think of it maybe in our time of, uh, of money. You know when you, you take a 50 or or $100 bill, you go to a store, you hand it to somebody, and they hold it up to the light, and then they put this magic marker across it. What are they doing? They're putting it to the test. They're wanting to see if it's legitimate. And the apostle is saying here that God wants us to approve or discern or put to the test the things that are excellent. Excellent. We might say the things, some of your versions say the things that are the best or superior. Now, why would God want us to love, okay, with knowledge and discernment and apply it to our choices? Well, he tells us right here that you may be sincere and without offense. So the outcome of doing this is that we be sincere. Some of your versions say pure. That's the inner life, what goes on in your head. Any of you have any crazy stuff going on in your head ever? Right? But as you walk with God, as God walks with you, as God teaches you, you become less of a bobblehead. And I always feel like those bobbleheads, you know? You feel less of a bobblehead, more focused. I always tell people all the time that, that when I became a Christian in 1988, God, by his grace, saved my soul. I had already owned my own company for four years. And then it was after that, we went on a string of getting awards from people. Now, a lot of it was because I stopped partying, but that's another story for another day. But another thing was, I would always tell people this, God made me focused. I became much more focused on not so much the external things, but on doing the things that was the best service to my customers. Well, here the apostle saying for the church that you guys would focus, that we would focus on the things that are excellent, that we would become sincere, pure inner life, okay, and without offense, the idea is that we would become blameless, that the way we would go on in our head would then take place in our life, and then we would begin to live out what we already are as Christians. And he says here, until the day of Jesus Christ. Bank that in the back of your head until the end of time or until we meet Jesus or for the Philippians church, until your church is over. So here, writing to a church comprised of individuals, the apostle says this, 
Choose what's excellent. All the things competing for your time, all the things competing for your money, choose what's excellent. Choose what's best. As a church, we get billions of ideas, billions of ideas, great ideas, but with limited time, limited resources, limited people, what are we to choose? We are to choose what is the best. And as we choose what's the best, the church will grow in love and knowledge and discernment. Never do you see in the Bible that they are fishing for numerical growth. You don't see that in the New Testament. The apostles are shooting for the growth and godliness of the people who go to the church. Because when real preachers preach godliness, Jesus preached godliness and what did they do? They killed him. The apostle Paul preached godliness and what did they do? They arrested him. And so this may sound really weird, but if some of you leave mad, I'm okay with that, right? Sometimes I'm like, I might be doing what my job is because when Jesus spoke, the apostles spoke, it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. They weren't offensive, but the message is offensive to human pride. Now for individual Christians, this is not just choosing good versus evil. We have that. Most of us are getting pretty good at that. You know, you're a Christian for a few years. You're like, yeah, don't do that. It's okay if I do this. Don't do that. But this is really, he's saying to them, choose the best over the trivial. Choose the best over the good. And dare I say, choose the best over second best. Let me give you a prime example of what's going on in the church in America today. I am on all these goofy pastor mailing lists and pastor email lists, and I just don't understand it sometimes. The other day when I was talking to this person I was talking to, they said to me, you know, you don't look like a pastor. And I said, well, thank you so much. I'm really, I'm really very thankful for that. And one of the big things with pastors today is it's all about growing the size of the church, and they have all these techniques that are proven techniques that you can buy the sermons from them, And they come with all the videos, all the PowerPoints, guaranteed to draw people into your church, particularly in the warm weather when less people come to church. So the two big hot sellers this this summer are um, God in the Movies. God in the Movies. The other one is Pop God. That's a big one that they sell for the summertime, get people to come in. So let's open to the lyrics of Lady Gaga now. Now, Is going to church good? Yeah, I guess it is. But for the people of God, is seeking the influences or the gospel of secularism, is that the best? I don't think it is. I think that's why God gave us a book that we can study over about a 10 or 15, 20 year period. And then he says, go back to the beginning, because guess what? None of you got it. The New Testament, you say, why are you being so harsh on these people? I'm not judging their Christianity. I'm judging whether what they're doing or not is the best. The New Testament is filled with warnings to stay away from this kind of stuff. The New Testament calls this false teaching, not me. And just like the cares of the world and not warning people about it, I think it is most unloving not to talk about it. And do we realize that as a church, we are called to guard each other's souls? Do we understand that? Not police each other but to guard each other's souls, to protect each other's souls. Many of you are new to the faith, and you have to ask yourself this question, who is guarding your soul? 
are the people that you are taking input in for your faith, are they a novice or are they mature? Are they a servant or are they someone who wants to be served? Are they even godly? Do you even know? Now some of you say, well, I'm a mature Christian. Okay, well, whose soul are you guarding? Who have you made time for to pour into? Have you been trained even? Or do you think you just know it all on your own? Well, thanks for joining us today for this edition of Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney, the teaching pastor of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. We want to be sure to tell you that today's message from the book of Philippians and many others are available on CD for a suggested donation of any amount. To get your copy of today's message from Pastor Jim, just call us at Changed by Love at 973-659-3380. The only information you need is the date you heard this program. Again, that number is 973-659-3380. Or send us an email. That address is info at changedbyloveradio.com. And when you call or email us to place your order, please let us know how God is using Changed by Love in your life. It's always a great blessing to hear how God is using the teaching of His Word in your lives. To learn more about Changed by Love, visit changedbyloveradio.com. There you'll find an archive of past messages and a secure option to donate if you would like to help support this ministry. Again, the web address is changedbyloveradio.com. That's changedbyloveradio.com. In the next edition of Changed by Love, Pastor Jim will continue teaching verse by verse through the book of Philippians. That's next time on Changed by Love.